Hey, listeners, Nadege August here. I have a quick request before we dive into this following conversation. See, a study recently revealed that male podcasters do their ask at the top of their show, while women, the female podcasters, wait until the end and almost apologize for asking for support. Well, I am ripping a page from the boys' club and am taking notes. I now am going to do my ask at the top of the show. And the ask is simple. Hit that subscribe button right now. Give me a rating, a five-star rating preferably, and share. Share the podcast on social media. Tell your friends about it. You can email, message. There are so many easy ways through iTunes or any other form of platform that you use to listen to the podcast. I am an independently produced podcast. I am a one-person show. Except I pay an editor because I'm just not technical to add music and to clean up any background noises that may prove to be distracting. I am also leaning towards becoming a listener-supported podcast. And as such, there is a link that will allow you to support me, support the podcast financially, monetarily, for as little as 99 cents a month. I also would love to hear from you. Please email me at whatthefockery at gmail.com. Want to hear your insights, thoughts, comments, any ideas you may have about topics you'd like me to explore, anyone you'd like to me to have on, or if you'd like to come on, let me know. With every contribution, I will give you a shout out on air at the beginning of whatever episode you happen to contribute for in and read your name, always with your permission, of course. And now, on with the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Unless you've been blissfully living under a rock, you've by now surely heard of astrology and can even introduce yourself with your sun sign as a last name, as in, hi, I'm Nadege, and I'm a virgin, I mean Virgo. And if you're anything like me, you probably check your horoscope on a daily basis with the hope of unlocking your superpowers. What the fuckery is astrology? Well, we're about to find out. I'm Nadege August, your host. And if this is your first time, welcome. What the Fockery is a podcast about the things we hear about but don't know enough about. A series of conversations dedicated to hearing firsthand from the very people whose lifestyle, truths, or concepts we struggle with understanding. The very things we should know about but are afraid to discuss. Our subjects and topics may or may not be mainstream, but our guests and sometimes experts are in it, living their truth whether we accept them or not. And if in that process we manage to bring clarity to you, dear listener, then thank you for being curious, open, and willing. In that vein today, my guest is Gina Piccolo. Gina is a former journalist turned astrologer. 
there's a that's a fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? Um, well, it happened with uh, an assignment. I actually years ago decided to do kind of a different story and consult a bunch of astrologers and psychics and past life regressionists myself, and then use that as a as a way of. Uh, talking about how crazy and weird this this new age stuff was. In the process, I ended up um, being read by an astrologer who just blew my mind and turned me from a skeptic into a less skeptical, somewhat interested, curious, maybe believer. And so I started buying books and eventually that led me to practicing on my own. And I got certified at Kepler College um, and my friends talked me into starting do doing it professionally. So, And so you walked away from the very lucrative career as a journalist. Yes, very, very <laughs> lucrative. Um, what kind of journalism did you do? I was uh, I worked for the Los Angeles Times and I, I did a lot of celebrity journalism. So I interviewed celebrities. I did a lot of writing about film and Hollywood, the business of Hollywood and the craziness of Hollywood culture. Wow. So yeah. Wow. What a, it's, it's, it's an interesting full circle because you were dealing with stars, self-proclaimed stars, yep. stars on the planet stars on earth stars it's in the so united true. states and it's like star star stars very true how interesting yeah okay so astrology versus the term horoscope okay. are they interchangeable i believe i did that in the introduction i just sort of interchanged them but is that was i incorrect in doing that um you know, astrology is the overarching study of the stars, the, the, the location of the planets in relation to the constellations around Earth. Um, the horoscope really describes the... Horos? It's, yeah, well, Horus is, is, is it just, I think is the Latin word for hour, and it describes, um, you know, looking at a sort of a map of the sky in a particular moment. So a horoscope is really more of a description or a weather forecast in a particular time frame, whether you're looking at a daily horoscope, weekly horoscope, or the horoscope of a generation or the horoscope of a, you know, of a year. But um, they're not entirely, no, they're not entirely interchangeable, but you, you get horoscopes in the practice of astrology. Astrologers use a horoscope to um, give you the interpretation of your experience. I see. Mm -hmm. So can you give a broad description of what astrology does? What can I get from an astrology reading or just knowing about it? Mm -hmm. So astrology basically places us in time. It, it gives us a map of the cosmos the moment we took our first breath. And in, in this very kind of cosmic way, it shows us exactly where we are on the planet and in our own reality. By looking at the way that the, um, the, the solar system was aligned and, and how that looked from our very specific point of view on Earth, where we were born. So the, the astrological chart not only takes into account the day you were born, but the 
the, the minute you were born and the exact longitude and latitude of where you were born because it's trying to locate you in space and then tell you what that says about your proclivities and your likely experiences, your strengths and weaknesses, um, the themes, the overarching themes that are going to be dominant in your life. And um, you can even describe the soul's journey in this particular life and even in past lives using um, astrology and some of the astrological points in the chart. So if someone doesn't know their life's purpose or they're they're not sure, they're a little lost, can astrology point them in the right direction, like a reading, a natal, mm -hmm. what's that, natal report, natal chart? Yeah, there's several different kinds of readings, but they all start with the natal chart. And the natal chart is that snapshot of the sky the moment you were born. Um, but yes, it definitely can give you a sense of what your true purpose is here, like what what it is that your soul longs to achieve, what makes your soul sing, um, and what it is that you bring to this life that the rest of us really need. You know, the, your your the gifts to share your correct. special skills with with others. So. What are some overarching themes we can 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 uh, discover mm -hmm. through a reading? So you you know a lot of people come to me and have like one of four or five different things they want to look at. It's usually relationship, um, career, finances, uh, and health. Those and are you can find all of this information. Yes. Wow. So in the chart, there are uh, the chart is sort of looks like a. A, a, a pie, right? It's got 12 slices in it, and each slice represents an area of life. And so we look at each one of those for your individual chart, and we describe what you are going through in any given moment, looking at your birth chart, which is where the planets were when you were born, as it compares to where the planets happen to be in the sky in any given moment. And that can really describe for us, you know, how you're feeling psychologically, how your body is feeling, what your family relationships are like, whether you've been in a relationship or whether you're ending a relationship, if your career's on fire or if it's really kind of stagnant. So that's how we can sort of locate, you know, where you are in your life path, in, in the life cycles that are constant. The difference between a sun sign, so in a horoscope, we look at the overall, you know, day of, mm -hmm. oh, I know I was born in September, therefore I'm a Virgo. Mm -hmm. But there are more to that. We're not just that one mm -hmm. month or however that's assigned. Right. What are what else are there? What do we look at? There are risings and different right. signs, right? Well, so every planet that's in our solar system um, has a meaning, a sort of archetypal meaning associated with it. And each one of those planets has a location in your individual chart. So whereas when you say I'm a like I'm an Aquarius, you're talking about where what constellation your sun, the sun appeared to be closest to when you were born. But there are also all the other planets. Mars, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, and they all are, are located somewhere in the sky near some constellation. And so each one of those has a sentence that we could say about it, really 
many more sentences, but at least one sentence about you. So if you have, for example, um, the moon, that's the other one, the moon in Pisces, that's going to have a, a similar description to it that, you know, your son would have in the sense that it's part of your identity as well. So each, you know, the, the big argument against astrology is, well, oh, all Virgos aren't the same. And you can't say that we're all just one of 12 different personality types. Well, astrologers do not say that. What they do say is that put, put together, all of these planets can, can create, um, they, they can give us information about our, our personalities and our psyches and for each individual there there are so many different combinations that these planets can have also we're not just looking at the location of the planet in the sky in relation to the constellations so like when we say sun and virgo we're talking about the sun near the constellation of virgo we're also talking about how that sun is interacting with the planet mars and that angle that it makes in the sky is itself going to have something to say about your personality so Astrology is actually a really complex practice, and um, it, it involves a lot of different types of um, interpretive uh, symbols and um, angles that the planets make to each other. So it's 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 it, there's a lot going on in one chart. I guess is what right. I'm saying. So, but you look at three main areas. Oh, right. Okay. You? So right. So basically, in astrology, uh, the way to simplify all this is to start with the three key components of a natal chart, which is the sun sign, the moon sign, and the rising sign. The rising sign describes the constellation that was on the horizon as you were born. And what does that tell you about someone? So the sun sign is sort of your overarching worldview. And the moon sign describes the inner life, the way that you see yourself, and also the way you express your emotions. It can also be the way that you experienced your mother or experienced nurturing as a child. And then the rising sign is the first impression that you make. It's sort of the mask that you wear to be a social being. It's that... Um, job interview version of you, that first date version of you, the, the best foot forward version of you. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the three basic uh, elements. And when, when I go to astrology conferences, people often have little placards that just have those three components on there. And that's an easy way to get, it's an awesome icebreaker to get to know people. That's clever. And yeah. I guess that's why, because I never understood why people would say, hi, I'm such and such, and I'm this sign. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, okay, that's funny, that's cute, that's laughable. Mm -hmm. But there is some validity, isn't there, in terms of compatibility between people? Yes, definitely. Right? So I know there are uh, a couple sometimes when they're going to get married, they have like, what is it? They, they, they do a report to see if they are compatible. Right, right. Have you ever had a situation where you did a chart and you were just like, do not marry this person. Yeah, well, I guess I try not to be so fatalistic because usually by the time people come to me in that kind of environment, that like a situation where they're already engaged, um, they've learned something about the person enough to know that they're pretty com compatible. But yes, I, I obviously have seen in these charts where um, two people come together, there are going to be issues. And um there's no perfect combination, I guess, is the is the thing. There's always going to be some issues, but um, yeah, there are there are definitely you know partnerships that 
are going to be more volatile than others. There are definitely things to look at in the chart that can tell us that two people are going to be combustible or they're going to be, you know, super happy together for many years. Um, and I mean, I will say having worked with a few couples that have come to me for counseling and then end up breaking up, there's free will involved. So you can have a really compatible chart with a few difficult areas, but if those difficult areas become so pronounced and you aren't motivated to work on them and um, find common ground, then just like even without astrology, it can it can be difficult. Would you recommend that couples do a comparison chart before they pop the question? It can't hurt. I'll say that. It certainly can't hurt. I mean, the one thing about using astrology with relationship is that it is kind of a shorthand. It can very quickly tell you what a person's um, deepest need is, how they prefer to be loved, you know, how they're going to feel nurtured, what it is that makes them feel comfortable and safe and taken care of, what it is that makes them feel heard and seen, and what they value in a partnership. So that that's the real awesome thing about astrology is that it brings us closer together. It helps us have not only compassion for ourselves, but more compassion for each other because it gives us a really specific window into what makes someone tick. Will astrology, can astrology tell whether someone will have children in a lifetime, whether they will get married? Are there markers that are mm -hmm. from at this age, your odds of getting, you know, having a child are greater mm -hmm. than, you mm -hmm. know, is that? Yeah, definitely. Know? I mean, you can look at a person's natal chart and kind of see what they started with, whether they are someone who um, would have have a proclivity to have children in the first place. And then you would look at the planets as they are affecting that person's chart in the moment. And there are definitely markers that we look at that indicate moments of fertility and moments of, you know, actually giving birth. So I've had women who are, you know, trying to get pregnant um, come to me for guidance of when they should be trying, and I can give them some specific windows that are especially fertile, and then other women who want to know when their baby's going to come, and I can give them date ranges um, that often are not aligned with what their doctor told them about, you know, when they're probably most likely to be giving birth. Can you learn about uh, your own children through your yeah. own chart? Definitely. Parents as well? Yes, definitely. So every um, sli like pie slice in a, in a chart where there's 12 different slices or houses, each one of those represents um, not only a life experience or a piece of our psyche, but it can represent people in our lives. And so there are places in the chart we look to understand what your experience of your parents was and what your experience of childhood was. And there are other places where you look at what your children are like and what your relationship to them is like. So yeah, you can use your chart as a um, sort of a, um, a lens to see other people in your life, which is interesting. Hmm, really interesting. Mm -hmm. So I, now I want to bring up a very sexy topic. Okay. We happen to be at a period called, uh, at the recording, at this recording, Mercury retrograde. Mm -hmm. 
people are terrified of Mercury retrograde. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I think it's super cool that most people have heard of it mm -hmm. or they know of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as a result, there are a lot of misconceptions. Yes. So what is happening right now? And should I be scared? I, I would say no, don't be scared. Um, I don't think anything is, is um, you know, we don't need to add any more fear into our culture. Um, Mercury retrograde is actually an optical illusion. It, it It's when the, the orbit of Mercury, as it's relating to where Earth is, appears to be moving backwards. And to get more specific than that gets really unnecessarily complicated for our purposes. But uh, Mercury retrograde in astrology, um, Mercury rules our minds and our technology and all of our communication. So when we're, we're obviously a very communication centric society at this point, I mean, we're in the information age. So for us, Mercury retrograde is a bigger deal than maybe it would have been in, you know, time before the printing press. We um, rely so heavily on all of our technology and communication is everything in this culture, right? So when Mercury goes retrograde, we often find that misunderstandings kind of expand and become and multiply. We find that it's difficult to get our point across. It's harder for us to... Um, speak with clarity and even think with clarity. We also find ourselves maybe more distracted by certain things and therefore um, have more likely to have accidents. Um, we also end up um, having sort of technology snafus and the computers will crash and the phones won't work or the email won't send um, or the refrigerator dies. Things like that are more likely to happen during Mercury retrograde. Um yeah, so it's become this cultural phenomenon, and I'm really more on the side of maybe not overemphasizing it um, and maybe using it as an opportunity to rethink things, to redo things, to edit, to revise your life and um, – and, you know, just take a step back, slow down, be more contemplative. Um, because So don't launch any new projects. It's like it's not the time to open a business to start something. Right. I mean, right? most astrologers would advise against getting married, signing any kind of important contract, get, um, you know, launching anything really important that's new, um, buying cars, buying anything techno technological or mechanical. Um, generally speaking, you will have to redo those things. You'll have to either get them repaired at, at some point soon after buying it or get them replaced. So yes, that's generally what we advise around Mercury retrograde. Other planets have retrograde periods as well? They do, yes. Okay. Uh, all of them or are there... Yes. major ones that are more all impactful. Of them, all, all of them, them appear to have retrogrades. I mean, they appear to be moving backwards in the sky relative to where we are. Um, the, the planets that are further away from us, and this is sort of true for astrology in general, tend to have less of an influence on our individual experience and be more of a cultural phenomenon. The, the planets that are closer to us, like Mercury, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, those are a little bit easier to feel the energies of when they go retrograde. Uh, ah. But the really the main planets are um, that go that go retrograde and that become relevant to our experience are the Mars, Venus, and Mercury retrogrades. So what happens during Venus? Because I happen to know that Venus is the planet of love. Yes, is that true? That's true. So there's do we have to redo our love? <laughs> Well, it, it can be a, a time of 
Like you would never want anyone to get married on a Venus retrograde. That's really, you want to try not to do that. That can be uh, not so great for the relationship long term. What's supposed to happen or not happen? Well, during a a, a Venus Venus. retrograde, you may have, um, you know, issues with your relationships. Venus rules relationship. It can also be a time of you know, money troubles because Venus also rules our money. And oh, I thought Jupiter spending. did that. Well, Jupiter is about abundance and prosperity. So it is actually, um, it is related to money, Jupiter. Um, but, but Venus, but is, Venus is the planet of the actual, ex- you know, the exchange of um, goods, currency and goods and spending, um, and, you know, just all things material. So what do you avoid other than relationship you would wanna, hookups and breakups? You would probably want to keep the, the spending sprees to a minimum, um, particularly when you're looking at things that have to do with beauty. So Venus rules all things aesthetic, all things beauty. So, you know, trying out new haircuts aren't is not a great idea during Venus retrograde. <laughs> um, buying, you know, a lot of clothes it's not a great time to be buying yourself beautification things. Uh, not a great that time. includes surgery, doesn't it? Includes it? surgeries, yes. No, because it's not a good time to get Botox or cosmetic procedures of any kind. Yeah. How, how does so? You have a website, and I it's do. called GinaPiccoloAstrology.com. And I will be. I'll sure. I'll put this in the show notes for sure. Uh, and it's with two C's. It's two C's. Yes. Okay. Are, can we find when these periods happen on your website? Yes. So I do a weekly forecast um, on my blog, and I also have a mailing list for those that are interested. I send out a weekly newsletter that gives everyone the details of what to expect during that week and sometimes the month ahead. And I also do um, new and full moon horoscopes by sign. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And those impact... The new, how. Yeah, the new moons and the full moons are interesting times. So new moons are generally the time to start new things, to plant seeds that will then grow over the course of the two weeks after that new moon. The full moon is generally a time of culmination. It can also be a time of endings, a time of completion. Um, it's a time when we are maybe more emotional than than we normally are, but it can be a really um, helpful time for finishing things up. And that's usually an influence that lasts for about 10 days after. And so we get a new and a full moon just about every month, every don't month, we? Every month, yes. Sometimes we get um, two of one of those in, in one month. Depending on the layout yeah. of the land. Yeah. How... How can people get a hold of you just through your website? So I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Gina Piccolo Astrology. Um, and on my website, you can reach out to me and send me a, an email if you'd like. Um, those are, I think, the main ways. Great. I actually want to ask you a question about Jupiter. Okay. I've been hearing how Jupiter has been around for 12 years, and mm-hmm. it's like, 
going to leave and disappear for another 12 years. Mm. What's that about? Have you heard that? So no, Jupiter has a 12-year cycle. It takes Jupiter 12 years to rotate around, to orbit around the sun. And so in astrology, if Jupiter is in a particular place in your chart, it has been in that place 12 years ago. And it, it's there now, and it was the last time it would have been there would have been 12 years ago. So it, it has a 12-year cycle. What's, what's changing for us is every year, Jupiter moves into a new sign. And it moves in from Sagittarius, which it has been in the sign of Sagittarius since last December. And in this December, it moves into the sign of Capricorn. And Is it that terrible? No. Some people are freaking out over that. I don't know why. No, it's not terrible. It's um it's more serious than say Jupiter and Sag. Jupiter in Sagittarius is in its home sign. So Sagittarius, their planetary ruler for Sagittarius is Jupiter. So the last year we have had expansive energy in our lives that we only get once every 12 years, this Jupiter and Sagittarius. It really makes it easier to launch new things. It makes it easier to have good luck in whatever area of life that Jupiter was in your natal chart. Jupiter in Capricorn, it's not as a comfortable alignment as, as it would be in Sag. It makes us more reserved with our abundance, more of reserved. Is it with fear? Our joy. Is it scarcity? Scarcity? It can, or? it can expand that sense of lack. Of lack, yes. Um, I think the benefit of Jupiter in Capricorn is we become much more pragmatic about our plans. We get kind of a reality check. And that is something that we'll see more of in 2020. There's going to be a confluence of energies in the sign of Capricorn and a series of eclipses that are wrapping up in, a, in Capricorn Cancer. So we are coming into a more serious year, a more, um, you know, the, the stakes are a little bit higher next year. On a personal level or in the world level or in this country's level? I would definitely say all of the above. <laughs> we're all going um, to feel it. We're all going to feel it in some way. I think um, those of us who have Capricorn and Cancer in, you know, major places in the chart, so sun, moon, rising, Cancer, or Capricorns are feeling this more than the rest of us. But it is a serious time and it is a historic time. You know, when we speak about planetary alignments, the last time we had um, Saturn and Pluto in the same sign was in 2001. And as we all know, that was a pretty hardcore year for our country. It um, was, that's right. And Saturn is, uh, Pluto is moving into an alignment with the chart of the United States that it hasn't been in since we signed the Declaration of Independence. So there's some really historic things going on right now. That sounds yeah. huge. Yeah, it is pretty huge. Oh my gosh. So I think between psychics and astrologers, I mean, there's a field day to be had Definitely. about what, can you share with us uh, any speculations as to what might happen? Well, I don't want to spread fear. Um, the, the real overarching theme around what's going on in America is that, um, you know, what, what we've built up, what we've built this country on, which is turning out to be, you know, a lot of ugly things, is, is starting to not only be revealed, but it, it's starting to... Um, crumble our system uh, that we've come to rely on in the United States, the government, the presidency, um, 
you know, the way that, that uh, immigration is handled in this country, corruption in government, corruption in corporations, all of these things, climate change, we are really seeing how fragile our, our lifestyle and our, and our systems are. And um, we're we're seeing this because these things are beginning to fall apart, so that something new and more fortified, more um, I think, more humanitarian can come in in 2021 and in those decades beyond that. Um, it's a time of sort of like the old dying off, the mm. old ways of doing things. It, it are dying off because it's time for something new to come in. New energy. Mm -hmm. You know that song, This is the Age of Aquarius? Yes. yes. Is this happening now or is that what that's going to be? Are we done with Aquarius? Uh, I don't, no, or I don't no. know. No, um, it depends on what as what astrologer you ask as to when that that glorious age of Aquarius begins. I, I personally think we're coming into at least a taste of the age of Aquarius at the end of 2020 when Jupiter and Saturn align in that sign. Um, this, this suggests a time of, of reinvention of new beginnings in a much more progressive way of, um, you know, making sort of brotherhood, sisterhood more of a, a priority, um, bringing in the um, celebrating the individual, celebrating innovation, celebrating um, breakthrough technologies. So, I mean, that sounds good to me. I, I can't really predict much more specifically about how that's going to manifest. Different astrologers have different opinions about that that what 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 2020 is kind of reaching that culminative point into 2021 let's just say it's going to be a very dramatic 2020 and what 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 happens at the end of that year is going to set the course for a new generation it's pretty big it's huge mm -hmm. yeah it's a new decade too mm -hmm. which is yeah, we don't know, is it a good beginning or a good ending, but right. it's somewhere in between. Right. And finally, uh, for anyone who gets a sense of any doom, there's no doom here. Uh, I feel like we have to have something, uh, some levity. Mm -hmm. um, so I was shocked to hear you pronounce a certain planet in a way that I think all of us may mispronounce. I don't know if it's as a joke or on purpose, but I, I call it Uranus. Yes. What's the right way to say that? <laughs> you don't funny. say Uranus. No. You, what do you, it's funny. I mean, some astrologers say Uranus. A lot of us say Uranus. And maybe Uranus. Uranus. Uh, because it is kind of funny to hear it say Uranus. That, I swear, is something that it, it depends. what Wherever I happen to be, if someone who doesn't know about astrology hears that I'm an astrologer, they're going to make the joke about Uranus. Oh, they do? Yes. Oh, yes. It's like a thing. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's pronounced either way. I prefer Uranus. Uranus. Because then I don't have to say anus. Which, oh. yeah. But that's just me. I mean, you can still pronounce it however you want. And people will know what that what that is. Yeah. Yeah. When Uranus, I thought, what? It's, it's, does she not know how to pronounce it? Yeah. No, it's either way. There's an uh, there's Uranus. also an ancient way of pronouncing it, which I don't know if it's Latin or Greek or what, but it's Uranus. Oh, that sounds great to me. Yeah. Uranus. Uranus. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it's, it's. I think, spelled O-U-R-A-N-O-U-S. And O-U-S, yeah. yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Wow, there's a joke in there somewhere. Yes, there is. I think some, a listener would need to, like, send it to me. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure there are many, many more than just one joke. Gina, I would love to have you on again, but to specifically go through the retrogrades. Okay. Is that something that you might be into? Like yeah. breaking down what each retrograde stands for, means, and yeah. what happens, what to avoid. And is there a reason why planets have to go backwards? You know, that's a good question. I don't know what the why is. Um, in astrology, it's interpreted as an opportunity to either go within and become contemplative around the issues that that planet rules, or to just take a break and pause in those areas to reassess your plans, to reassess your um, your you know, foundations, if we're talking about Saturn, to to really just take a, a minute and and step back and get perspective. I mean, that's really what retrogrades, no matter what planet they are, are, are good for. Mm. Okay. Sign those divorce papers during Venus retrograde? Yeah, that could that could be good. It's a good time. Possibly. Possibly. Yes. <laughs> Probably better to wait actually until it's direct, only because the Venus retrograde, anything retrograde, it's going to go direct at some point, which means that when it goes direct, you're going to have to redo what was going on in, in the retrograde. Oh, so there might be an issue. So you might decide to get divorced during a Venus retrograde, but then signing the papers, I would say, if you want it to stick, wait until it's direct. Ah, yeah. Got it. This is so exciting. I feel like I can talk to you for hours. Oh, good. But I don't want to do that. You are so knowledgeable. Oh, thank you. And I'm thrilled that you made the decision to quit journalism to do this instead. Thank you. But you know what? I can't wait to see how it all comes together. It's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. Well, listeners, thank you so much. And as you know, I did my ask earlier, but I will ask again, subscribe, rate, review, share, word of mouth, and uh, support. Thank you, Gina. Is there a way to say goodbye that's different and special in the astrology world, in the world of astrology? Um, I don't think so, but... uh... I don't know. I don't really have a good. Vibe. I think we should just say Uranus. Uranus. Uranus, <laughs> listeners. Uranus. <laughs> Bye.